We're going we're gonna to start this way every week from now on. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you don't need to turn there. Um, I'm going to read a lot of different passages tonight, so for the first half, I'll just say where the verse is. Second half, I'll have you guys turn there, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. Okay, so what it's saying is that we can't understand what God is about to say in His Word without the Spirit of God. And so let's take a few minutes, uh, let's take 30 seconds, and let's pray to God and say, God, right now I'm humbling myself before You, and I'm just admitting that I can't do it on my own, and I need You to show me truth. Because without you, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and that's what this next verse says. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them, because they are not spiritually discerned. So, let's take 30 seconds. Let's pray for God to show us um, in His Word what He wants us to hear, and just admit to Him that we're totally dependent on His Spirit. God, I just want to thank you for, um, for all the kids that came tonight, and I just want to pray, God, that you would speak through me. Um, anything that I say that's not from you, God, I just pray it goes in one ear and out the other. Um, I pray that this is for your glory, God, and that tonight um, some kids might see you as big and as powerful and as a wonderful Savior, God, in a way they haven't before. Um, we love you, uh, and we just want to humble ourselves before you and ask you, God, <clears throat> to show us what your word means um, because we can't understand it without you. Thank you so much for sending your son down the cross for our sins, God. Um, I just pray that you would uh, make us more like him every week. In and through your name, amen. Okay, so we're going to... What? Sorry, I missed that. Somebody say something. All right. So, this week, um, we're starting a series that we're going to be in until the summer. It's uh, the book of Philippians. Uh, you don't need to turn there yet because I'm going to do uh, Crave's longest intro ever. Um, it's going to be about half the sermon. Um, but if we talk about God every single week here, we need to know who God is. Makes sense, right? And so the first half of the sermon, I'm just going to talk to you about one aspect of who God is this week uh, because it's going to make our text really easy to understand if we understand um, how big God is. And so. The word tonight uh, for God um, is going to be powerful. God is powerful. Um, Power is the ability to do something, okay? Someone who is powerful uh, commands someone to do something and they do it. Someone who's powerful is able to lift heavy things. They have the ability to do something. And so who do you think is the most uh, powerful human being on the earth? Just shout it out. Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Not necessarily physically powerful, but powerful in general. Anyone? Obama. Obama? Okay. Either of those are good. Either of those are really good options. So I'm going to continue through the message to refer to Obama and Schwarzenegger um, as people we, we see as powerful. And for the first part of this sermon, guys, it's going to seem like 
I'm kind of putting you down, uh, but, but I'm not. The reason I'm talking about when we think we're powerful is because if we think we're powerful, what we're saying is um, we've forgotten how powerful God really is. Okay, so power is always relative. Okay, if there was a three-year-old standing next to me, um, that three-year-old would not be powerful at all, right? Like, I could take that three-year-old in a fight in an instant, right? No chance. Um, he might kick me in the kneecap. Okay, but compared to another three-year-old, he might be powerful, right? He might be able to take every three-year-old in the world. Um, and so power is relative. And so when we think of ourselves as powerful, when any human being thinks of themselves as powerful, it's because they're not thinking about God. And so we're going to do a little thought experiment tonight. So get your imagination caps on, right? That's, that's really cheesy. Okay, just think with me and imagine these scenarios. And um, if you are feeling powerful, um, I'm going to ask you some questions. And these questions actually come from the Bible. And God is talking to someone um, who feels like they can question God, like they have the power to do that. And so... Um, do you feel powerful? Imagine um, you're in a blizzard. All around is, is white snow. There's nothing around for miles. You have nowhere to go for shelter and you're chilled to the bone. You can't see which way to go because there's so much snow that there's whiteout conditions. Um, you're freezing and you can't get warm. Uh, do you feel powerful? What Job 38 would say is, have you in entered into the storehouses of snow or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? Can you command snow? Nope. Are you powerful enough in that situation to just will yourself to survive, to command the snow to stop? Nope. Do you feel powerful? You're in a field and all around you lightning is striking really bright lightning bolts over and over. There, there's a loud crash of thunder after each lightning bolt. The wind is howling. The rain is stinging. And you have nowhere to take shelter. Do you feel powerful? Job 38 again says, Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are? Do you feel that powerful when lightning is striking all around you? Do you feel so powerful as to say, it's not going to strike me because I can command where it goes? Standing on a beach where the waves are as high as your head and they're crashing into the rocks with bone-crushing force. Spray is spraying up 15 feet into the air. Do you feel powerful? Can you take on those waves? Can you swim in that water? What, what Psalm 33 says is, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear God. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and, he, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. And so for us to stop feeling powerful, it only takes a tiny piece of God's power to see a tiny piece of it. To see just one or two waves where God can take all the oceans and gather them up, okay? And so, ready to click. And it says that God commanded the world and it was. He created the earth and everything else with a word of His mouth. 
Again, in Job 38, he says to Job, Dress for action like a man. I will question you. And, and you make it known to me where you were when I laid the foundations of the earth. Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? So he's saying, compared to the earth that I created... Your power is nothing. You can't even tell me how big around the earth is, let alone create a planet. And the people that we, we think are powerful are, are the President of the United States or a man that can lift anything um, more than any other human being, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger. But compared to God, that's nothing. Compared to the man who built the Empire State Building, the earth is so much more vast, right? Yeah, you can create... A building, you can lay the foundations and it can go a mile into the, into the sky, but God created the foundations of a planet that we can't even get around on our own. Your building might be a mile high, but the, the mountains of the earth are three miles high. You might have running water in your building, but God created water that runs all throughout the world, billions of gallons of water in all the rivers that we can't take on. We can't cross in our own power. And so the people we think are powerful, Obama, Arnold Schwarzenegger, compared to God, are nothing. They're not powerful. They're, they're an ant uh, compared to an elephant. And so you can go to the next slide. Got it? Just click next arrow. Or just on the keypad. Okay, here is the earth. Okay? Not only did God create the earth, and that's so massive that we can't even really understand it, He created everything else. And so there's some stars. Um, that's a very small star. There's Mars. There's some other planets. Uh, next slide. That is the sun. The sun is one million times bigger than the earth. A million. The sun is so powerful that you cannot look at it without going blind. And you're 93 million miles away from it. What does that say about God who created the sun? If a, a created thing is so powerful you can't get near it, you can't even look at it without hurting yourself, uh, what does that say about the God who created it? He's a million times more powerful than that. In Job, it says that God hung the earth on nothing. And that is a whisper of his power compared to the thunder. So, so God making all this is just a whisper compared to the thunder of his power. This is just a tiny echo of how powerful God is. Next slide. This, this uh, star right here, Pollux. Uh, see that little yellow dot? That's the sun. Compared to our giant sun, uh, Pollux is huge. Our sun looks like a dime compared to Pollux being a basketball. God says in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim His handiwork. Right? This is God's workmanship. This shows us how amazing and how worthy of praise God is by seeing how big and how awesome and how powerful what He created is. We can't look at our sun. We can definitely not look at this sun if it was close to us because it would be much, much too powerful. Okay, next slide. 
Okay, so we're 10 times out now. This Arcturus, it is 35 billion meters across, and it makes our sun look like the head of a pin. Okay, 35 billion meters across, not million, billion. Okay, that's an incomprehensible number, right? I, now we're getting to the point where you can't even understand what this means. Just to show you how big this is, how incomprehensibly big 35 billion meters is, you literally cannot count that high. If the second you popped out of your mother's womb, you started counting one, two, three, four, five, and you never stopped, you counted without sleeping for your whole life, even if you lived to be over 100 years old, you would never be able to count to 35 billion. You can't even count this high. We can't comprehend how big this star is. We can't even, we can't even count the number, of it, the number of meters it is across, let alone how big it is around, let alone all the different atoms mulling around inside of it. This is incomprehensible. Next slide. Okay, so that little star is now, that huge star is now little compared to these other stars. The brightness of these stars is 10,000 times greater than the sun. This is about this, uh, the same brightness as the star Orion in Orion's belt. The, you know the constellation Orion's belt? This is what God has to say about Orion's belt in, in Job 38. Can you bind the chain of Pleiades or lose the cords of Orion? He's, these are two constellations, and God is asking the question to a human being. Can you move a star? The answer is no, right? We can't even lift a boulder that's a piece of dust on the earth. And the earth is a piece of dust compared to that piece of dust that is circling this other piece of dust, circling a giant, giant sun, right? God is so much more powerful than us. There's no question that we can't, we can't move a star. And so that's what God is saying. God is so powerful. Okay, next slide. So our sun, not even close. Uh, we can't see it. It's... It's much smaller than the head of a needle now, and the earth is not visible. Um, and so what the Bible says about God is, in Deuteronomy 10.14, it says, Behold, the Lord your God belong, behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heavens of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. So God is saying here in, in his word that not only does the earth belong to God, but the skies on every planet, around every star, in every solar system, in every galaxy, belong to God. All of them. Next slide. Okay, we're starting to get into huge stars called uh, giants, super giants. Something, yeah, that's what it's called. It's a crazy name. Um, anyways, next slide. Okay, so these are the biggest stars in the universe. They're 2,600 times as big as our star, which is 1 million times as big as the Earth. Huge. We can't even understand how big this is. What, what the Word of God says is, By the Word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their hosts. So all these stars, these giant stars, were made in an instant by God. God has the ability to speak into being things. We, we, this is incomprehensible to us. Our ability to build and to create is all dependent on what God has already made. God owns 
the skies on every planet in every solar system. He's more rich than any of us, right? Compared to Bill Gates, compared to God, Bill Gates is a pauper. Rockefeller is a beggar. God owns all the gold on a million planets, around a million suns. All the gold that, all the money and all the gold and all the world belongs to God anyways. And so let's go next slide. We're going to go faster now. Uh, we're not going to be able to see stars anymore. We're so far out, we're so zoomed out um, that we can't see stars. We're just seeing clusters of stars. So next slide. And next slide. So we're about a thousand times bigger than any of the largest suns at this point. And so now we're seeing clusters of stars. And, and God says in Psalm 147 that God determines the number of the stars and He gives to all of them their names. And so God not only created everything, He knows, he knows it. He named it. It's not like someone throwing a pile of dust. In, into the wind. Um, it's not like God randomly created. He, he did it with a purpose. All of them have names and He knows every star from every other star. Next slide. Okay, so those galaxies, those are getting smaller compared to these larger galaxies. And next slide. Again, huge. This is an incompre incomprehensibly big galaxy right here. In Colossians, uh, it says, Christ is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth. All these galaxies, all these stars, visible and invisible. Angels and demons and things we can't see. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all were created through Him and for Him and by Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. So not only did God create all this, with a word of his mouth, he's holding all of it together. Every moment. You only exist because God is continuing to hold everything together. What are you up to, God? Uh, I'm, I'm just holding the universe together. What are you up to? Right? So, next, next slide. Again, even bigger galaxies. Next slide. We can finally see the Milky Way galaxy. That's the galaxy we live in. Top left corner. And next slide. Okay, the Milky Way galaxy is, is just a tiny pinpoint of light. It's hard to see now because the lights are on. Up there. Um, but if you wanted to travel across the Milky Way galaxy, um, it would take you 100,000 years at the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 miles a second. We have no hope of traveling across this galaxy. And it's tiny compared to this other yellow galaxy to the left. That's crazy. It's incomprehensibly big. Like, we can't even understand that star that we saw long, long ago that's tiny compared to this. And what God says in Isaiah 48 is that my right hand spread out the heavens. With his right hand, he created all this. God is so much bigger than all of what we saw that we can't understand, we can't hope to cross. God is so much bigger than that. And so, if you want to just uh, go to the next slide. The, what, what it says up there that we can't read um, says that there's about, estimates are there's between 100 
billion and 200 billion galaxies, each with hundreds of billions of stars. Right? Like, your mind is blown. Like, I can't comprehend that. And God gave them all their name. He spoke them all into being in an instant. And He holds them all together right now. And so, um, if you want to just put the cap on the, uh, on the uh, projector for me, um, that would be awesome. Because we're done with it. So, knowing this, um, you just want to turn it off for me? Um, there's a button on the side too that you can turn it off. Um, so, back, back to me guys. Refocus. So, David in the Bible says, who is man that you are mindful of him? God, why would you even think about us? That makes more sense now, right? Doesn't it? Knowing that we are a tiny thing on a piece of dust circling a, a star that, that is tiny compared to the biggest stars, right? No wonder he said, God, who, who is man that you're mindful of him? God is so huge and we are so small. So if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 11, 33 through 36. Romans 11, when you get there, just shout out the page number. And this is all going somewhere. I know this is the longest introduction of all time. Uh, 6.15. Yeah, Romans 11. Verses 33 through 36. 6.16. Here we go. I'm going to read it. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His ways. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable are His ways. Okay, so what he's saying is, if God created all this, if He created all this that we can't even understand it, how can we say to God, God, yeah, I don't think, I don't think you know what you're doing, God. I got a little piece of information to tell you. Right? We can't do that because God is so much more uh, knowledgeable than us. If He created all of this, there's no way. There's no way that we can give Him advice. But, here's the bad news, right? And the bad news is, aren't we all, haven't we all said this to God? God, do you really know? Haven't we all in our actions uh, said to God, God, I'm not sure you're right here. Uh, God told us not to lie. Um, he told us not to steal. But we've all probably done, all of us, not probably, we've all done that, right? Like we've all lied. And we've all probably stolen. And so, uh-oh, right? Because... Remember what we just talked about, how big God is? Like, it's, it's not a little thing to say to Him, you know, yeah, I don't think you're right. It, it's called sin and it's an offense to God. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. Especially now that we know how big and how powerful God is. So let's keep going. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, it says who can give a gift to God. And this makes sense, right? If God can speak something into being, if he is holding all things together, whatever you offer to God is already his, right? If you offer God money or you offer God um, praise, that's already his, right? Like he created it. 
If you want to give God a $100 bill, you can't bribe him. That's a joke, right? God is holding that $100 bill together and he could create a million $100 bills in a second if he wanted. So we can't put God in, in, in our debt. Even if we said, well, God, what about giving God my life? Please, God could take your life in a second. He's holding you together right now. You cannot pay off God. It's absolutely not possible. Everything is His already. And so now we're going to go to Philippians. And this is where our final text we're going to be in tonight. And it's actually, we're going to be in Philippians all the way through until, until the end of the summer. Um, and so far it's been a downer, right? This sermon has not been light. But the, the theme of the book of Corinthians is encouragement. So um, as we go through Corinthians, or Philippians, sorry. Philippians is encouragement. And so say it with me. Encouragement. Encouragement. Okay. And tonight you're going to be encouraged. So encouraged. One, two, three. Encouraged. Okay, so far it hasn't been encouraging, but it's going to get there, I promise. Okay, so everyone there, Philippians chapter 1. Page number? 636. Okay, we're going to read this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always and in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay. So this whole passage we're going to read, we're going to continue on to 11, but the theme of it is Paul is just happy. He's just excited and he is joyful and he's making his prayer with joy because of their partnership in the gospel. So all that we talked about, all that, uh-oh, like we've offended a really big God and we can't pay him back. Um, there's good news. Uh, and that good news is the gospel. Gospel means good news. And the good news is, although we've offended an infinite God, He made a way for, for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. God in the flesh came down, and He paid the price for all those sins we committed against God. He died on the cross for our sins. He died once for sins that He might bring us to God. That's good news, right? Like that is really, really good news. And that's why Paul is so happy. Because we had an infinite debt. Romans says that the wages of sin is death. But God paid that. He paid that for us. Even though he's this huge, big God that has everything. He owns everything. He gave us something we don't deserve. That's good news. That's really good news. It gets even better, actually. Um, continue on. Read verse 6 with me. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, and so this is the climax right now of, of what I've been talking about. Because I could have started with this verse, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion in the day of Christ, and then explain to you why God is powerful enough to do this, but you already know it, right? Like, we just talked about how powerful God is, how, how massive and how He can do whatever He wants. We can't even understand how powerful He is. It's clear, right? That, that if God says that He will do something, He's going to do it. 
No one can stop him. And so the good news tonight, the encouragement is, if you have Christ in your life, absolutely no one can take that from you. If Satan himself came to you and said, yeah, I know that you, uh, you think God is, you know, he's your satisfaction, he paid the price for your sins, but I don't know, I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he really meant it. Or I'm going to try and stop you. I'm going to try and stop him. There is absolutely no reason for you to believe that tonight. If you know God, if God is your satisfaction, no one can take it from you. Absolutely no one. Not even Satan himself can threaten your salvation because God is more powerful than anyone, right? If Satan comes to you saying, I don't know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think God has the power to do it. You can use scripture. Satan, where were you when, when God laid the foundations of the world? Can you command lightning bolts? Can you create out of nothing? You are only here right now because God is holding you together. Please. God said it and he will do it. There is no question. And that's good news. That is really good news. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on unto completion. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of me with grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all, with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Notice the word in verse 7, partakers of me with grace. Grace means getting something you don't deserve, right? This is letting you off the hook for all those sins. And it's not something you can earn. It's something that only God can give you. And you can't do anything to get it. Because we know we don't have anything to offer. We have nothing to offer. And that's what the gospel is. is Us coming to God and saying, God, I don't deserve Forgiveness, but you've offered it to me as a free gift. And I want to receive it. I want to make you my satisfaction and my joy. And I want to depend on your death on the cross for my, for my salvation. And so what he says is, it's my prayer that your love will abound more and more. And so there's encouragement in here tonight if you are a Christian That can never be taken away from you. God is always with you, and no one can take him from you. Romans says, not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not powers, not rulers, not height, nor depth, not anything in all creation, not anything present or anything to come. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news for you if you're a Christian tonight. You're inseparable. You're untouchable. Your your one joy, your one satisfaction in God is no one can take it from you. That's an amazing place to be. But if that's not you, if God isn't your satisfaction, if God isn't the one you depend on to cover your sins, there's also good news. There's also encouragement. And that encouragement is it's offered to you. 
it's offered to you tonight is that you can come to God and He will accept you. He will forgive you of your sins if you confess them to Him and ask Him to cover them with His blood. And that's my prayer. That's what Paul is praying. My prayer is that your love may abound more and more. And that's my prayer for you guys. That's what I've been praying this week is that your love for God may abound more and more. If you know God, that I pray that you would love Him more. And if you don't know God, I pray that you start loving Him with all knowledge and discernment. You can't love God if you don't know Him, right? How many of you guys met my fiance, Jessica? Okay, if you didn't, I have a fiance named Jessica. I'm getting married. Um, I want to ask you this question. If I walked up to Jessica, I came in, I, I, just, I was really feeling a lot of love for her in my heart. So I came up and, and I, I put my arm around her and I said, Jessica, man, I don't know what it is, but today I'm just, I'm moved by how much I love you and how much, how much I just feel in my heart, this love for you, how beautiful you are, your, your blue eyes and your blonde hair and your dark olive skin. I just love you. Well, if you guys met my fiance, she has brown, brown eyes, and she has brown hair, and she's really pale. And so um, she's not going to take that as a compliment if I don't know who she is, right? If I'm telling her how much I love her, but I don't know her, it means nothing. And it's the same with God. You have to know God to love God. Of course, you're not going to know Him fully, but if you're worshiping a God that's not the God of the Bible, that's not God, and that's not love. You have to know them to love them. And as you know God, it says, it says that once you love Him more and more, that leads to knowledge and discernment. That you may approve of what is excellent. So as you know God, as you love God, you're going to start approving of the things He approves of. You're going to start loving what is good. You're going to start loving His Word. You're going to start loving helping others. You're going to start wanting to help the poor. And so you're going to start approving of what God approves of, of all these good things that flow from this love. And that approving what, what is good is going to lead to action. It says, with more knowledge and discernment so that you may approve of what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So you're going to be filled with fruit. You're going to start loving God, knowing Him, you're going to start approving of what is good. And once you start approving of what is good, you're going to start doing it. You're going to be filled with fruit. You're going to start doing those good things. Not because you have to, right? Because you haven't earned it. You don't have to earn it. You start doing it because you love God. Not because of anything else. And that's my prayer for you guys. Just like Paul, he's saying, I'm praying that this would be you because... This is the best gift anyone could give. That anyone could receive. And God gave it. God gave it to all of us. So that's encouraging tonight. I know it started off, it started off as a downer. But it's good. Because when we see how powerless we are and how powerful God is, the death He paid on the cross, the debt He paid on the cross with His debt, with His death, that becomes so much bigger and better. It becomes so awesome that God would humble himself and come down and die for us. And so tonight, 
the last thing I want, want you to notice is, is that all this time we've been talking about how awesome God is. And at the end it says that all that will happen to the glory and praise of God. And earlier it said, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So if this happens, if this is you, it's not about you. It's not that I did it and I'm great. It's that God gave you a gift. Ephesians 2 says that faith is a gift from God. Not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. That if we've got this, if, if you love God with all your heart, and if you want to, and as you move towards that, all of what happens should be pushing up, not into praise for yourself, but praise to God, who has the power, who, who is helping you, who has given you the gift of His Son. And so we're going to sing. Um, Preston, you want to grab the guitar? Um, if you tonight, um, maybe for the first time, are seeing how big and awesome God is and how big uh, a price He paid for you on the cross, uh, you can come talk to me. I'm going to be standing in the back. And, and I can pray with you. And let's pray together about how to make God your satisfaction and your all. And if you're worried tonight about maybe, maybe that's not me, maybe I don't love God. Maybe He isn't my satisfaction. How do I know? Let's pray about that too. Come and talk to me. And maybe you've already committed your life to Christ, um, but you've fallen away and you're ready to recommit and to say, God, I, I, I haven't been, I've been taking for granted what you did for me. Again, let's pray about it. Let's talk. Um, because my prayer is that your love would abound more and more. And so I'm excited for you guys. And I, there's nothing out more than to see you guys love God with all your hearts. Because he's awesome. He's worthy of our praise and our glory because of all that he did and he, all that he continues to do. So let's praise him uh, with, with song because he's a big God. And he loves us so much. All right, I'm going to pray. God, just thank you for this. Thank you for this night. Um, thank you for these kids. And I just pray that their love would abound more and more in all knowledge and discernment so that they might approve what is excellent, God. And so be pure and blameless on the day that you come back. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes only through you, God. All glory to you, God. Because if it happens, it's not because I did anything. It's not because of their might, but it's because of how great you are and how powerful you are. Thank you for the gift of, of showing yourself to us, God, and dying for our sins. Just help us to praise you just like we mean it, God, with our whole hearts. Fill us with love for you and through your name. Amen.